welcome back to another edition of Down to the Wire. Uh, again, with my NHL analyst, Nolan Thode. And Nolan, how are you doing today? Not bad. Just came back from a nice little walk out in the country with my dad. It's always nice to spend time with my dad and both outside. So, you know, not a bad day so far. What about you? I uh, haven't really done much uh, in my mom's basement, but, uh, you know, uh, it is beautiful weather outside. Um, you know, just got to enjoy the best you can. No, exactly. Going through these tough times, just doing whatever you can to keep yourself, you know, busy day to day. Exactly. You know, school's just a gong show uh, with it being online. So just uh, yeah. trying to keep up with that as well. No, exactly. For sure. Well, getting into the news, uh, Montreal was suspended throughout the week uh, because, you know, two Finnish players, Yoel Armia and Jesperi Kakaniemi, were added to the COVID-19 list. Uh, and, and, you know, there was actually some positives for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, you know, this week because not only did they have to, you know, they missed all their games, but uh, the positive that I'm going to get to is Tyler Toffoli, their leading goal scorer, they didn't have to go a you know, a game this week without him playing. So that's good. Um, it was announced throughout, you know, Bergevin did two pressers. I'm not sure which one that it was announced in, but, uh, you know, it was announced by Mark Bergevin that, you know, he wouldn't throw him in the fire quite yet because, uh, you know, when practice, uh, he wants to get him back into, into the groove of things. Sure. So, you know, this is quite shocking since, uh, you know, it, this is the first team in the North Division to have their teams postponed. Games postponed. Yeah, I know exactly. Earlier in the season, there was, you know, issues with, you know, the American teams, you know, Buffalo, New Jersey, specifically those two teams had it pretty rough. Uh, and the North Division was just kind of like the model for the rest of the league in terms of how well things were going there. But, you know, all that kind of has amounted to this. I guess this one little scare, uh, you know, having games postponed. Uh, you know, it's just maybe not a, not a great look for the North Division, and it's interesting to see how it, it did get, you know, into Canada. Now, one thing I should mention is that the Montreal Canadiens now play four times during one week until the end of the regular season, so it is truly now a shortened season. I'm sure Habs fans will now feel the effect of that. Yeah, no, exactly. And especially in this, you know, tough time in terms of the playoff push, it's going to be exciting to see how, you know, the Habs, they're either going to, you know, get even stronger through this, you know, tough time or, you know, they might fall apart, but hopefully, hopefully they can figure things out and we'll see them, you know, playing to their full potential over the next coming weeks. Buffalo had goaltending issues throughout the week. Carter Hutton was injured uh, in their first game on Monday against the New York Rangers. Dustin Tokarski, who hasn't played since 2016, came in relief. So that's a blast from the past. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, like I mentioned, he played in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals in 2016 with Montreal. Uh, you know, it was a leg injury for Carter Hutton. And, you know, perhaps fans like me, uh, when a Rangers player slides into your goalie and injures the leg, that kind of brings some PTSD to Chris Kreider injuring Carey Price. Absolutely. And especially with the same guy replacing him, you know, Dustin Tukarski, like you said, hasn't played since that series versus the Rangers. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, Buffalo's had a couple of injuries and then they traded, you know, uh, Johansson to the Avalanche. So I guess Tukarski was the only option that they had at that point. 
Patrick Marlowe is reportedly open to a trade from the Sharks. This doesn't come as a surprise to me because uh, really the Sharks have been, uh, you know, departing from Marlowe and Thorne year in and year out to give them a shot at winning the Cup since they deserve to win the Cup. Uh, you know, they're both future Hall of Famers, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Thorne is second all the time in games played. So, uh, or tied for second, I should say. But, uh, you know, I thought that it would be really funny uh, in ideal scenario that the Leafs were to get Patrick Marlowe and reunite him with Joe Thornton. Yeah, no, I'd like that. And as a good fit as well, you know, he's, I think, making the minimum uh, for San Jose. So it would work, you know, with Toronto and other cap issues. But it brings back last deadline, you know, Joe Thornton, he was, he, he really wanted to be traded from San Jose and given that opportunity, you know, obviously he went to Toronto in the off season, but it'd be nice to see Marlowe, you know, maybe go back to Toronto and get that opportunity once again with his old pal. Dougie Hamilton extension talks are reportedly going to be happening after season's end. Uh, I think he'll get a hefty pay raise. He's a UFA at the end of the year uh, and he is interested in Carolina, but currently he wants to focus on hockey and trying to win the Stanley cup with the Canes. Yeah, you know, sometimes players will, you know, not really care too much and go through their extension talks throughout the season and be able to get a deal done. But sometimes it can be super distracting, especially if, you know, things, you know, the GM and the player aren't on the same page and there's a little bit of tension. It might, you know, rub off on the player, you know, playing maybe better, maybe worse because of it. So I think it's, you know, the right decision, especially since how good Carolina's been this year. You know, they just seem to be focused night in, night out on, you know, winning at each and every game. And, Ham- and Dougie Hamilton's one of those defensemen that is so consistent. He consistently gets 40 plus points per season. And actually, uh, you know, with his, uh, he extended his point streak to 13 or 14 games, which actually set the franchise record for longest point streak by a defenseman. So I'm sure, you know, uh, Don Waddell uh, definitely wants to keep Dougie Hamilton under contract. Exactly. You know, he, he's playing super well for his contract year. And like you said, he's going to get a hefty pay raise. I think Carolina wants to lock that guy up for the long term. Uh, you know, they have a great decor, you know, going in Carolina and he's a huge part of that. And, you know, offensively and defensively, he just has such an impact on the ice. You wouldn't want to lose him. Well, speaking of his offensive numbers, he's become a power play threat. Uh, he has 27 points in 33 games, but more than half of his points have come on the power play. So, you know, that just goes to show that, you know, power plays and playoffs are so valuable since there's so little of them. And when Carolina does get on the power play, they are a threat. Mm, absolutely. I think, you know, this year, especially they're poised for a deep run and that power play, just, you know, the collection of players they have, uh, last year against the Rangers in the play-in, I remember watching them and they sort of had, you know, two solid power play units. Just, you know, they have so much talent. And now with the emergence of guys like, you know, Marty Nietzsche and, you know, Trocek, he's injured right now, but he's he's come in and been a good part of that top six for Carolina. They just have a lot of options on that power play. Ottawa has used yet another goaltender this season with Philip Gustafson making his first career start. Uh, you know, so far Ottawa has you know, Matt Murray, Joy Dacord, and Marcus Hogberg, and now uh, Philip Gustafson. Uh, they actually used Anton Forsberg, if I'm not mistaken, this past week as well. So, but anyway, this was Gustafson's first career start. It ended off, uh, you know, really well, a 2 1 win. But, you know, something that really sticks out is that Rasmus Anderson. Uh, for the Flames tried to steal the puck at the end of the game and you know we all know how big of a career achievement this is for Gustafson so you obviously you don't like to see it whatsoever 
yeah, if I couldn't hate the Flames any more than I already do, you know, just seeing that, it, it definitely rubs me up the wrong way. And, you know, like you said, it's it's super unsportsmanlike. And for Philip Gustafson, great for him to get that first win in his first game. Uh, he, he's been talked about for a couple of years now. Uh, he, he was uh, originally with Pittsburgh. I think he came over in the Broussard trade. I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken, and, you know, just a solid piece for the future, Ottawa seems to have, you know, a collection of goalies at, the, at this time. And it'd be interesting to see who they uh, protect for the expansion draft, because I'm not sure how many games played, how many games you have to play in the NHL for you to be exempt or for you to be uh, part of the list. But, you know, that's four goaltenders that Ottawa has used, possibly even five with Forsberg. So uh, I don't know what the exact requirements are, but we'll see what Ottawa does with their goalies. No, for sure. And you can look to even maybe, you know, leaving Matt Murray unexposed, maybe Seattle takes him, maybe they don't. But, you know, if you're already regretting that contract one year in, it might be a way to get out. Speaking of first, Keegan Colstar for the Las Vegas Golden Knights scored his first NHL goal on Monday night. I know uh, for me, I've been following a lot of Vegas reporters on Twitter and, you know, they've been praising him, uh, you know, with his hard work and dedication. And, you know, it was it was one of those moments that were on the horizon for him. Uh, You know, it was coming. He was always on the ice making a physical presence Uh, he's kind of in asserted as in that checking rule uh in the bottom six but you know good for keegan kolsar for scoring his first nhl goal no absolutely if if you work hard you're gonna eventually be in the right place at the right time and it was nice to see him put that one way on tuesday we learned that the nhl proposed draft lottery changes have been approved by the board of governors uh the one rule that's in place this uh this draft is that uh only three picks uh, or is it two picks are a part of the lottery? Uh, one of the two. Um, my example that I'm going to use is, you know, Buffalo. We know that they're most likely going to finish last, so they can't fall uh, any later than third. So they're guaranteed a top three pick. Nonetheless, they can't drop to four like we saw Detroit do last draft lottery. Uh, but yeah, something definitely to keep an eye on. And, you know, we're definitely going to need uh, a, a refresher of the rules as we get closer to the draft lottery. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's it's a, a year where the draft lottery maybe doesn't have as much impact just because, you know, it's, it's such a raw, you know, prospect pool this year, just with everything that's happened within the last year. So for Buffalo, you know, obviously nice for them to secure that top three pick, but you know, nonetheless, who, who are they going to take and, you know, what prospect do they feel confident taking, you know, probably first overall. And it seems as though that the NHL planned for the draft lottery changes, the big ones to happen in 2022 and 2023, uh, simply because that's when the, uh, that's when we get better, stronger drafts than this one that we're having, uh, you know, next draft. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think we've talked about it, you know, multiple times throughout the podcast, but I, I'm super excited, you know, 10 years down the road, just to look at this draft and see what the makeup of, it, makeup of it is just, you know, these scouts are really, you know, having to go to work and, you know, it's not as easy for them to f- find these clips of these prospects. The Sabres actually uh, beat their franchise record in losing streak. They're up to 17 uh, is it winless? I think it's winless in the eyes of the league, but nonetheless, uh, they are on a bad losing streak. And it seems as though these young players that want to be developed there are just getting poisoned by the losing culture. Cause you know, for 10 years now, we've known the Sabres as uh, a losing team, a losing franchise, a team that you don't have to go 110% against. Uh, 
you know, I can take New Jersey, for example. That's a team you have to go 110% against uh, simply because they aren't poisoned with that losing culture. And, you know, the NHL record is 18 games set by Pittsburgh in 2004. The Buffalo Sabres have a chance at 18 games uh, tonight against Philadelphia. Yeah, you know, this is a not a great season, but, you know, might as well go for the record, go for 19 uh, just to have, you know, kind of this season wrapped up all in one. Yeah, Buffalo, just the culture there, it's it's it hasn't been trending in the right direction, like you said, for 10 years. And it's tough for guys like Eichel, you know, Ristolainen, Dahlin. These are guys that, you know, want to be making impacts on competitive teams. But unfortunately, the way the Sabres have been, it's just not worked for them. And, you know, the really only good news for Sabres fans, and if they want to win tonight against Philadelphia, who has been struggling heavily, man. And, you know, we spoke about this last week. They still haven't picked up their pace. Uh, You know, the Rangers uh, have passed them or are two points behind them, one of the two. Uh, But Linus Allmark uh, is starting for the Sabres. He practiced throughout the week with the team. He returned on Friday or Saturday. Um, but that's a huge boost for the Sabres in goal because, uh, you know, Linus has five of six Sabres wins. Exactly. You know, I, I think this is a huge, you know, bring bringing him back for the Sabres. I think, you know, having him on IR, you know, they went through the whole losing streak and having him come back, you know, maybe he's not going to go and exactly win you a game, but just, you know, a little bit of a shake up in the locker room, having a new guy in net, you know, could definitely, you know, spark something. And I think Linus Allmark is, you know, the best goalie in that Sabres system as of now. So having him back is definitely huge. Elliot Freeman released his 31 thoughts article on Tuesday, uh, where he basically just gives a thought for the 31 teams. Uh, You know, in the article, he said that the Habs have made a push for Matthias Ekholm of the Nashville Predators. And, you know, that's not really surprising at all, because there's been rumors about the Habs being in on the Ekholm market. Uh, simply because they need a puck moving defenseman. Uh, I think a left shot as well uh, because Ben Sherrod has been injured, but you know, like Mark Bergevin has reiterated throughout this whole time uh, in the trade deadline season there, he has no cap space available. Yeah, no cap space available. And also, you know, we'll get to it throughout the episode, but you know, they made a trade last week. So how much can you really be bringing in at this point in time? I think, you know, ideally, you know, Ekholm's a guy that you'd love to bring in, especially, you know, now that Sherratt's gone, uh, you know, Ekholm can kind of take his place until he comes back. And, you know, Ekholm's an incredible defenseman. We've talked about him before, but uh, I don't think the Habs are going to be doing anything for him, at, at least the way it looks right now. Three other points that I decided to grab from 31 Thoughts. The first one is, you know, if the border does remain closed past the second round for the Canadian team, uh, you would think they would go to the closest uh, American city. So let's take, for example, the Toronto Maple Leafs and make it past the second round. Well, they would go to Buffalo. But then what if Toronto matches up against Vegas? You know, you probably would want Toronto to be in a more central location just because of, uh, you know, travel and all that going on. Yeah, you know, there's been talks about, you know, bubbles and they're trying to, I feel like, avoid, you know, the bubble just because last year was such an extreme and so much for the players to go through. Uh, But it'll be interesting to see, you know, these Canadian teams, there's only going to be one of them in the final four, but, you know, where they're playing either, you know, if Toronto is playing Vegas, I feel like it would just make sense to play all the games at, you know, T-Mobile Arena. There's no real home advantage, you know, for Toronto, I guess, if they played in Buffalo. But yeah, if the border's closed, then, you know, it's, it's going to have an impact. 
Philadelphia might consider the Mark Stahl route if uh, if they aren't going for Ryan Ellis. Uh, and, you know, I think this could be beneficial if the Flyers are trying to make the playoffs because I'm not sure if you heard, Nolan, but Shane Gostaspear uh, went out and basically said that their defense is complete shit and they make and they make Carter Hart and Brian Elliott look like shit. So, uh, you know, it, it, he basically, that was like a message to the team there by Shane Gostaspear. And I think that Mark Stoll could play a good bottom third pair uh, on Philadelphia. He could be a good serviceable defenseman for that team. He is also a UFA after the end of this year. Yeah, you know, he, he's been playing in Detroit this year, played his whole career practically with the Rangers. I think, yeah, if you're just looking for a guy who could play third pair defenseman and, you know, be a solid defensive guy, you're not expecting Mark Stahl to contribute too much offensively. Uh, but, you know, like you mentioned with Gosset Bear, I like that he came out and said that just because, you know, the Philadelphia goalies have gotten, you know, so much crap these last couple of weeks. And it's about time that someone came out and, you know, kind of was in favor and kind of supporting them a little bit. There is a big decision coming for Columbus and David Savard. Uh, you know, Columbus has really defeated all odds and they're still sort of in the race, although they did lose uh, or they did actually get swept by the Red Wings uh, this past week. So, you know, it's a big decision on whether they want to sell or if they should, you know, build from within their organization and trust the players that they have uh, and, you know, kind of go with uh, their strengths to try and make the playoffs. Yeah, I think, you know, that fourth spot in that central division is so up for grabs that, you know, we could see them, you know, try to just buckle in and, you know, go hard for the last couple of weeks. However, if they do choose to go the seller route, I think David Savard could bring in, you know, a really good return. He's, you know, good offensively and defensively, you know, more so defensively uh, and right shot. So, you know, a hot commodity. And I think they could get a good return if they do look to move him. Hamilton Bulldogs alumni, I know I saw him uh, a couple times with you, Nolan. Mackenzie Entwistle uh, made his NHL debut with the Chicago Blackhawks on Tuesday night. And, you know, I, I didn't catch the Blackhawks game, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, just great to see that someone I watched in the OHL made his NHL debut. Exactly. Just, you know, nice to hear that he's out here, even if he couldn't catch the game. And, you know, Chicago, their youth is in, insane. And, you know, they got Priest Suter, uh, Debrinkit, Kubalik. Uh, and on the back end, they have Ian Mitchell. Uh, you know, the youth movement is clearly there for Chicago. And this year it was a true testament to see how well they can compete against some of the best in their division. Exactly. You know, they've had a lot of young guys stepping up. You know, Patrick Kane also having, you know, a heart, you know, candidate type season helps as well. But, you know, with no Taves, uh, they've lost a couple pieces within the last couple of years, you know, young coach as well. It seems like Chicago's just kind of, you know, letting their young guys go out there and, you know, do their thing. And it's been working, you know, for the most part. And this is quite funny and, you know, brings me good joy to hear that the Flyers got booed off the ice at the end of the second period during their game against New Jersey on Tuesday night. And I say this brings me joy because, you know, we're getting back to the time where we don't need injected crowd noise anymore. We could use the fans again. We can finally hear them. And I think um, what's funny is that I was reading a, a tweet. I wish I saved it, but I think it was in the Flyers game that when the injected crowd noise stopped, the fans began to boo instead of cheer. I, you know, I thought that was kind of funny uh, to bring up. Yeah, you know, the, the team that's been on the ice hasn't been good for the last couple of weeks. And, you know, Philadelphia fans, they'll be the first to tell you, you know, if you're not playing to your full potential. So, 
it's interesting to see the booing and but it is nice you know even if it is negative interaction just having the crowd be a part of the game Patrick Kane moved into fourth all-time among American-born players with 1,666 points after recording his second assist on Tuesday night. Uh, You know, just a stellar player. Showtime is his nickname. And, man, do you ever get a show whenever you go see the Blackhawks? No, absolutely. You know, I I was never the biggest Blackhawks fan, and it was a pain watching Patrick Kane, you know, just – you know, in the playoffs, you know, for the, for their cup runs, just, you know, being an incredible player. But, you know, now that I've gotten older and sort of matured, it's just incredible to watch any player of that caliber. And, you know, like you said, showtime, it's just very entertaining whenever he's playing. Well, one player building off that point, one player that we should be on the watch as we grow up is Andre Vesnilevsky. He has won his 12th. He won his 12th straight game versus the stars in a row uh, on Tuesday night. And that actually set the franchise record for the Tampa Bay lightning in consecutive uh, wins by one goalie in one season. And got to say, man, this guy is going to be a stellar goalie, uh, you know, for seasons to come for the Tampa Bay lightning. No, absolutely. He's young. He's already got a cup. He's already got a Vesna, and he's locked up, you know, for the foreseeable future. I think, you know, Stevie Y, you know, when he was in Tampa, he gets a lot of credit for what he did and for good reason. But another big move is, you know, moving on from Ben Bishop and, you know, giving the keys to Andre Vasilevsky. He's, you know, stepped into that starter role and hasn't looked back. And, you know, I thought something really, really cool about, you know, Vasilevsky, he's making actually uh, 1 million uh, less than Carey Price. And, you know, I guess we could try and have that comparison. Like, you know, is Vasilevsky the next Carey Price of the league? And I got to say, I think he is because like, you know, watching him, he's making acrobatic saves out of the wazoo. Like, dude, this guy is, is so fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. You know, with goalies, it's always great when they have a little bit of personality, a little bit of flair. Um, But, you know, for Vasilevsky, he just, you know, a lot of casual fans for the longest time just thought, you know, his numbers were a result of Tampa. But, you know, he's absolutely, you know, one of the top goalies in the league and he's proving it night in, night out. On Wednesday, we learned that Tim Tim Peel uh, got, you know, released by the NHL. He actually didn't get fired. Uh, I wrote that in the notes, but uh, if you read the wording in the statement by Colin Campbell, he never stated that he got fired. He just said that Tim Peel will no longer be working for the NHL. So you can interpret that as a firing, although it was never explicitly said. But Nolan, I should ask you, do you think that makeup calls are a good thing or not? I mean, it's so tough uh, to be a ref. I think it's a very underrated job. You know, not only are you in control of so much of the game, but you also got fans and each bench, you know, yelling at you. So y- y- trying to please everyone is a tough thing. Uh, you know, obviously he-, he tried to do that and, you know, didn't didn't really work too well. And I think, you know, the league made the right decision, just kind of, you know, focused on the integrity of the game and, you know, making the game fair for, you know, every team. And, you know, for my opinion, I struggled with this at first. I was... Uh, chatting with a bunch of my friends and I'm like, man, I can't come up to like, I can't come up to a conclusive opinion to side with. Like, you know, I, I think about watching games that I've, you know, attended or watched on TV and I can't think like, I just want, I want the refing to stay the same. That's my opinion. You know, I've never really had a problem with it. Uh, you know, sure. I, I'm, you know, as a fan of the Habs, I'm going to get mad at, oh, okay, well, you know, don't call that trip. Well, that's just bias. You know, there's, you know, as an Oilers fan, you know, you can also agree with me. There's obviously going to be bias with fans, but, um, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I don't have a conclusive opinion to share on this podcast. You know, I think that, 
uh, Tim Peel, what he said was, I guess, what most refs agree with, uh, you know, and I think the best thing for what the ref refs can do is just feel out the game. You know, you can call the rule book, but uh, I, you know, I think feeling out the game is kind of better than calling the rule book. That's just my opinion, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, a lot of hockey is just, you know, kind of letting the players go out there and play. You know, we see it a lot more in the playoffs in terms of how laxative the ref or how relaxed, you know, the refs are on their whistles. But, you know, I agree with you. Just growing up, I feel like, you know, the refing has been, you know, you know, it, it's it's been fine. You know, occasionally there's going to be a bad call here or there, but that's just a part of the game. And I don't think, you know, you can you can really blame blame the refs too much for that. Speaking of good news, Winnipeg Jets third line forward Andrew Kopp went off against the Vancouver Canucks scoring four goals. Uh, you know, they won 5-1, but certainly, you know, Kopp was really the only one to solve Thatcher Demko there during that game. That's his first career hat trick, and he plays bottom six minutes, so you got to love the depth scoring there. He's actually on the power play, which kind of surprised me. Uh, I thought him of more being in the penalty kill role. I never really thought of him being in the power play role. Yeah, he's he stepped up his offensive game a bit this season. You know, when they traded Patrick Laine and Dubois had to go through that 14-day period, you know, uh, I think Kopp, you know, stepped up and was playing those top six minutes. And, you know, it clearly has stuck a little bit on the power play. But, you know, the confidence just throughout. Uh, I remember looking at the notification and, you know, kind of doing a double check to see that Andrew Kopp was the name I was reading, scoring four goals. But it's, you know, nice to see, you know, anyone get a hat trick. And, you know, for him to hit four, it, it's nice to see because he's just been a hardworking guy his whole career. More trade deadline news. The Flyers are going to be aggressive at the deadline. And, you know, that doesn't really come as a surprise. You know, I think the market that they should be in could be, you know, I guess like a middle line, uh, bottom six forward, possibly maybe a bottom pair defenseman. Like we mentioned, Mark Stahl. I think, I don't think they're in the goalie market simply because, you know, they have Carter Hart. They definitely trust them in a seven game series. If it goes, if they do make the playoffs, um, but yeah, I definitely think they're going to be looking to upgrade their defense. Yeah, I think defense is where they should be looking to, you know, make make their impact. I think, you know, the Flyers, they have a great offensive core, you know, one first line through fourth line. And, you know, their goalies have been struggling. However, you know, a part of that can be accredited to the defense. And I think, you know, if they're going to target anything, that's definitely what they should be looking at. And, you know, good news for the Blackhawks, because on on Thursday, sorry, uh, you know, we learned that Kirby Doc was back on back at practice. He was the first player on the ice during morning practice. And this was actually an optional practice. So, uh, you know, not really mandatory for the players to attend, but good to see Kirby Doc back on the ice, who later made his return to the lineup this past week. Exactly. You know, great to see him out on the ice, you know, big hopes for him this season. I was, I was really ready for him to take, you know, that step. Uh, you know, he looked great in the playoffs against my Oilers. Uh, and I was excited to see him in the tournament with team Canada, obviously getting injured. And it's nice to see that he's made, you know, somewhat of a quick, quick recovery and he's able to, you know, he's going to be able to get some games in this season. So let's get into the Mark Bergevin presser. This was the first press conference he did since the Habs got shut down on Thursday, or sorry, got shut down on Monday, but this press conference happened on Thursday. So uh, just the quick uh, nuts and bolts, he confirmed that at least one of the postponed games will be remade after the initial end of the regular season. One player tested positive for a COVID variant. The other was a close contact. Uh, the player who tested positive for COVID is doing okay. He said that all seven Canadian teams are going to have their schedules adjusted. Mark Bergman actually had two false positives himself over the summer. 
Uh, he quarantined for 48 hours and passed two negative tests. Uh, Bergevin also claimed that no bro- no uh, protocols were breached, which is good. So that means that they won't face a fine or further suspension from the NHL. Uh, he updated, he had an update on Ben Sherratt and he said that he is progressing well in rehab. Uh, you know, he reiterated multiple times that he can't make moves because he is tied up against the cap. And he said that uh, there's a strong possibility, which was later confirmed that the Habs would play four games in five nights. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a busy schedule for the Habs to say the least. No, for sure. And, you know, even though it is a busy schedule and it's definitely not an advantage coming, you know, the final stretch of the season, you know, it's got me thinking, you know, they didn't breach any protocols. Maybe, maybe they just threw out some random news story or gave someone a little bit of a variant so that they didn't have to play the red hot Oilers three times in this one week. It was frustrating for me as an Oilers fan. I was excited to see, you know, three, three Habs versus Oilers games, especially the way the Oilers were playing. Uh, But, you know, uh, obviously I'm not, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they didn't do it on purpose. Elliot Friedman made an appearance on WGR 550, which is the Buffalo Sabres radio network. And he said that he doesn't expect the Sabres to fetch a first round pick for Taylor Hall. Uh, You know, I think this is a more of a positive for the Sabres since, uh, you know, the draft is so scarce that you're more likely to miss rather than hit because of the lack of scouting. Not only that, but Taylor Hall, who's third on the team in points, but really hasn't lived up to his hype or to, uh, you know, his contract. Mm -hmm. No, and I think Taylor Hall's an interesting player, you know, I think everyone knows that he is skilled. However, you know, besides his heart season, he's kind of just been, you know, uh, an average, really good player. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if they end up moving him at the deadline and what they can get for him. Uh, You know, he's a big piece, but I don't think any team's, you know, willing to, you know, heavily overpay for a guy like him. We finally have good Jeff Skinner news. Uh, You know, he played a season high 20 minutes and 30 seconds on Thursday night for the Sabres in 84 games under Ralph Kruger. Skinner only had six games of 20 plus minutes. So obviously to further uh, the point of that Kruger was underutilizing Jeff Skinner, Uh, you know, Skinner has set season highs in minutes played in each of the, uh, you know, past two games under Granado, the interim head coach. So you can see, the vast difference between, uh, you know, Kruger's philosophy and Granado's philosophy. Yeah, you know, Kruger kind of, you know, gave Jeff Skinner a lot of crap because his defensive game, you know, obviously isn't super strong. And, you know, that's just not the type of player Jeff Skinner is. He's, he's the kind of guy he likes to, you know, fly up the wing, you know, create chances, and, you know, scored 40 goals. Uh, and that's the type of player he is. So now that, you know, Granado's, you know, giving him this opportunity, it's nice to see him, you know, start to slowly gain this confidence a little bit. The federal government uh, approved a seven day quarantine with extra testing for the NHL players that are being traded from American teams to the Canadian teams. I see this, this as a terrific win because uh, hopefully this will increase further trade deadline talk between Canadian and American teams. Uh, hopefully trade center isn't as boring as it may seem. Uh, you know, the trade deadlines on April 12th, but I, I really like how the fed, the federal government, uh, you know, really reduced the uh, quarantine there uh, for American teams and Canadian teams. Yeah, no. And I think I agree with you as is a huge win. I think, you know, the trade deadline day for me, at least in a normal year is always, you know, a fun day, just, you know, looking at my phone every five minutes to see if anything happened. And, you know, with that 14 day period that it used to be, I think, you know, it definitely has an impact, you know, seven days less, you know, that's, that's, you know, 
three or four games more that you can get out of these players, I think it's, uh, you know, super big. And I think, you know, we're going to be seeing a lot more action this trade deadline than maybe we would have expected at the start of the season. Well, I just got breaking news. Uh, there's no trade, unfortunately. But uh, speaking of the Habs, uh, you know, Jesperi Kakinemi got uh, just got removed from the COVID-19 protocols, but Yoel Armia remains in it. So, I mean... Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to come to any conclusions there. Actually, I, I'm not going to say that thought. Uh, but, you know, it's great to see that Jesperi Kokkinami will most likely be in the lineup tomorrow night as the Habs play the Oilers. Yeah, no, it, it's good, you know, to see him come off. You know, Kokkinami, you know, you and I have kind of quite the relationship with him just because, you know, we talked about a lot about, you know, him and Zadina in that draft. So, you know, I, I like Kokkinami and it'll be nice to see him out on the ice tomorrow. Uh, you know, Sidney Crosby reached uh, a huge milestone, actually. 1,300 career points. Uh, he's the eighth fastest to do so. Uh, you know, another achievement for Sidney Crosby. Definitely one of the greatest hockey players of all time. Exactly. You know, I, I think I've had this conversation a lot with people I know, you know, that like sports. Uh, it's just like, you know, with Sidney Crosby growing up, you know, yeah, he's great, but you would never, you know, dare to compare him to these great legends that, you know, you hear so much about. But, you know, now that you put things in perspective, Crosby's had a great career, you know, just in terms of, you know, what he's able to accomplish. And I, I think he's definitely, you know, uh, top 10 player of all time in my eyes and, you know, might be top five by the uh, by the time he's done playing. I don't know if it's just me, but the Penguins lineup always looks like you're in year 10 of franchise mode on NHL. Like, who is Radim Zahorna? That, that's my question. He actually scored a beauty of a first goal, uh, first NHL goal. But uh, I had no clue this guy was in the organization. Exactly. You know, you know, the guys like Crosby, Malkin, uh, you know, Gensel now. But, you know, definitely throughout the lineup, there's a, que- a couple of questionable names. And, you know, it really makes you scratch your head. And, you know, are you not paying enough attention if you don't know who these guys are? But, you know, the reality is, is that Penguins just, you know, you know, they've been so good for so long that, you know, the prospect pool has been kind of weakened and they have these random guys coming to the lineup every couple of years. Uh, The Pennsylvania beat down the Rangers beat the Flyers eight, three on Thursday night and Carter Hart got pulled once again. Uh, I feel like I'm a broken record saying that, Mm -hmm. Uh, but the night, you know, Zabinijad line popped off again, nine points between Zabinijad Kreider and Buchnevich. Uh, you know, a natural hat trick for Zibanejad. He set the NHL record for six points in consecutive games against the same opponent. Uh, you know, that line always seems to do well against the Flyers. Yeah, you know, they've definitely been taking advantage of when they've been playing Philadelphia, you know, scoring nine goals last week and eight goals this week. Uh, you know, it, it's really good and it's what you need for the Rangers because Philadelphia is that team that's, you know, near them in the standings. Uh, you know, the Rangers, they're just you know, they, they've been on a roll lately. And now that they've got, you know, Igor Shesterkin, their number one goalie back, we could definitely see them make a playoff push. Taylor Hall confirmed that he is willing to waive his no move clause to get traded. Uh, we saw that with Eric Stahl. Uh, and we'll get that into more detail as we come up on the Friday notes. Uh, but, you know, I think Taylor Hall is just about to waive his no move clause just to get, you know, the hell out of there of that dumpster fire, as Jack Edwards would call it. Um you know, to move anywhere, essentially. Yeah, you know, I I think he's a guy that, you know, deserves to be on a playoff team. He's only made the playoffs once and he had to play Tampa Bay in the first round. So it'll be nice to see if Taylor Hall does end up going to a contending team and what they're able to do in the playoffs. 
And I think, you know, with Buffalo, they could probably do some interdivisional trades uh, simply because of the state of where they are. And, and, and with Taylor Hall, there's a lot of places he could go. I think, you know, a lot of people still view him as a first line player, but I think what his, you know, ideal situation is, you know, ending up on a team where he, he gets on the second line and kind of is able to, you know, spread, spread the lineup a little bit. And, I, and to your point there, I think he does play better as a second line forward where he isn't relied on as much. No, absolutely. You know, he can kind of just go out there, not all the pressures on him and he's not facing the other team's top players. I think, you know, it'd be a benefit for Taylor Hall. Small man season as Rocco Grimaldi scored four goals, uh, completely lit, lit up the red light district there uh, for Nashville. And, you know, just adding to the Andrew Cobb performance there, uh, it's great to see that, you know, these players that aren't stars on their team, that aren't the Shifleys, that aren't the Forsbergs or the Tolvanins, you know, Tolvanin is on mm-hmm. an incredible point streak right now. Uh, it's great to see that uh, someone else is stepping up and providing the goal scoring. Exactly. You know, if, if we were recording this last week and you had it told me that, you know, Grimaldi and Andrew Kopp are both going to be in the headlines, I would have thought, you know, maybe they got suspended or they had a fight or something, even though they wouldn't play each other. Um, but, you know, four goals for the both of them, it's incredible. And Rocco Grimaldi, he's just kind of fun player. He's out there, a little ball of energy. And, you know, like you mentioned, he, he, he is quite short. We talk about Dallas and their lack of shots and because of how uh, Rick Bonus plays a more defensive style. Well, you know, Minnesota, the Minnesota Wild played the St. Louis Blues Thursday night and they shut up the Blues. Uh, you know, you, you'd think that the shots would be like 20 to 35, all right? Mm-hmm. Just around that. But no, the Minnesota Wild finished the game with 11 shots. Like, are you kidding me? How do you get 11 shots through three periods, 60 minutes? What? Yeah, and they still find a way to win the game. It's crazy. You know, Cam Talbot was, you know, super solid for them that game. And, you know, the St. Louis Blues, they've been on a little bit of a dry spell. Uh, you know, definitely not not able to win when the other team scores 11 shots. It's definitely a tough situation for them. And, you know, I think Minnesota can be real cup contenders because we see the run that Capo Kakinen had or is still on. He's, he's looking insane. He's a rookie this year, so he's up for the Calder. Uh, mm-hmm. We look at Cam Talbot. They're, it's like a 1A, 1B situation. Because yeah. Cam Talbot, who's listed as the backup, he's playing phenomenal this season. Just had a phenomenal performance there against the Blues, like we mentioned. Uh, so I think the Wild are true cup contenders. Yeah, exactly. I think they've built their system very well. You know, they've had good teams in the past, but, you know, with the emergence, you know, Kaprizov coming over from Russia, it really, you know, gives them this, you know, element on offense and guys like, you know, Zuccarello stepping up and, you know, their defense has always been great. So put some good goalies. It's a recipe for a really solid team. Rupe Hintz had a hat trick against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which ended Andre Vesnilevsky's streak at 12 games. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, uh, it's great to see uh, Andre Vasilevsky go on such a hot run, one of the hottest goalies in the league, one of the best in the league. And then, you know, Rupe Hintz, who's, you know, been in and out of the lineup. He's kind of struggling with, uh, you know, a lower body injury, I think. Yeah, you know, he's been in and out of the lineup and it's weird, you know, typically guys like that when they're in, you know, they struggle a little bit because they're dealing with these injuries. But for him to score a hat trick is uh, really nice. And Vasilevsky's streak had to end at some point in time. But, uh, you know, 12 games is incredible. Getting to the Friday notes here, uh, you know, Eric Stahl, that's really the big one there. Eric Stahl got traded to the Montreal Canadiens for a third and fifth round picks in the 2021 NHL draft. The Sabres retain 1.625 million of Stahl's contract. So that's 50%. 
Uh, I think this is a no-brainer for the Habs to pull off. It brings them center depth behind Deneau, Suzuki, and Kakanyemi. Uh, I, I love this move for the Habs. I also love it for the Sabres. I think this uh, trade benefits the Sabres a lot, uh, you know, because they get futures, futures with third and fifth round picks. It depends on who they pick and how those prospects pan out. But I think, you know, getting that salary off their team was a, you know, it's a W for both teams. I don't see anyone losing. Exactly. You know, the Blues, they signed Johansson, you know, last offseason, traded him uh, last off. So two off seasons ago, they signed Marcus Johansson, traded him for Eric Stahl and able to move him for anything is really nice. You know, third and fifth round pick is nothing. Not, it's not nothing. You know, it, it, it is draft capital. And I think that's what Buffalo does need at this point in time. And actually, uh, I, I wrote an article on the Eric Stoll trade in Montreal. And, you know, one thing that I noticed was that the Sabres now have draft picks uh, in each of the seven rounds. So to your point, Nolan, uh, you know, they now have good draft capital. And Montreal, right, had 14 or 16 draft yeah. picks before this trade. So, you know, mm-hmm. it seems like Bergevin can play around with those draft picks. And, you know, I hope that Montreal, uh, since I'm a fan of them, gets draft picks for the 2022 draft like they load up there rather than loading up in this draft since it's so uh scarce yeah you know obviously if they can move their picks to next year i think they would but you know just having draft capital it gives you you know potential to you know not only move up in the draft but you know make these trades and i think for montreal bringing in a guy like eric stall you know a solid you know proven guy you know he, he might make the hall of fame by the end of his career um and just super solid you know moving into a playoff push the Sabres are welcoming back fans to select games. Uh, the tickets go on sale today, actually, as we're recording this. Uh, the games they are allowing fans back are April 3rd versus the Rangers, April 9th versus the Capitals, April 17th versus the Penguins, and April 23rd versus the Bruins. Uh, I see the Capitals and Penguins games being complete sellouts from other teams, other other fans, not from Sabres fans. Uh, I doubt Sabres fans are going to be attending this absolute garbage team. Exactly. You know, it's not something you would want to watch. However, if you were a fan of any of those four teams, you would absolutely want to go see them play against, you know, the Sabres who can't can't really find a way to do anything this season. And, you know, tickets could come cheap since, you know, they haven't really performed up to expectations, if any at all. Yeah, exactly. You know, Buff- Buffalo is not a great team, so the tickets aren't going to be too pricey either. I think, you know, if I if I was, you know, a Penguins fan living in the Buffalo area, I'd absolutely want to try to get there for that game. Elliot Freeman said on a Vancouver radio station that they could possibly look uh, to trade Adam Gaudet, who has struggled to find uh, his role in the lineup. He's been healthy scratched a couple of times this season, really inconsistent when he does get in the lineup. But I think, you know, I don't think the Canucks should uh, give up on Gaudet. I, I really like how he plays. He's currently asserted in, you know, I think the bottom six, but I think he could be, you know, a good middle six forward for the Canucks. No, absolutely. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he was, you know, in Hobie Baker conversation, you know, whenever he last played in college. So a guy who's able to, you know, be a solid player, you know, clearly. Uh, I've always liked him in Vancouver's lineup. I think, you know, he gives a little bit of everything, you know, he gives some skill, some grit, you know, yeah, just one of those players. And I do think, you know, being a middle six forward is, you know, what, what is ideal for him. Uh, but, you know, if they can get a good return, maybe that's what you do now and hope that, you know, he can turn it around somewhere else. Bergevin had his second press conference of the week on Saturday. Uh, you know, just the quick nuts and bolts of it. He doesn't expect any more moves. Reiterates he's tied up against the cap. 
Uh, you know, there were two other teams reportedly after Eric Stahl and Carolina was one of them. So kind of trying to reunite the Stahl brothers there. Uh, Tyler Toffoli will miss exactly one game because Marco Bergevin doesn't want to throw him in the lineup after one practice coming back from injury. Bergevin wants, or, or sorry, I guess that's old news, but you know, we'll get to Cole Caulfield. That's an amazing signing for the Habs. Uh, and there's yeah. actually conversations about Eric Stahl a while back, but uh, that's when there was a 14-day quarantine mandated by the government. But since that got lifted, that made the trade easier to make. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, Eric Stahl, you know, bringing in good piece. It would have been nice to see him go to Carolina just because not only are they so exciting and be nice to see him within that group, but, you know, that's obviously where he made a name for himself. Uh, uh, you know, just for the Habs, you know, good to bring him in. And like you mentioned, Cole Caulfield, I think, you know, you know, his team, unfortunately, was upset uh, in the first round, I believe, of the college, you know, whatever tournament playoff uh, have you. But, you know, it, it's a really good guy to, you know, be excited about. And he, he's coming over to Canada from Wisconsin. Uh, he's either going to play for Laval or for the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, you just got to be excited. It's been confirmed that he will actually report to Laval for his first game. But, uh, you know, since him, since he's 20 years old and he signed his entry-level contract, he burns off the first year of that contract, whether he plays with Montreal or not. Uh, so, you know, it's good to see that hopefully he will get his chance in the NHL. And I will, can tell you that that will be anticipated. Like, like, you know, Montreal media is going to go absolutely nuts. Uh, just like how Anaheim media went nuts for Trevor Zegras. And actually um, the projected date for Caulfield to like arrive in Montreal or like to play with the Habs after his quarantine is done is April 7th, I think which is one of the rescheduled games against Edmonton. So, you know, we could possibly see Caulfield's first game against your Oilers. Yeah, no, it would be interesting. And hopefully he doesn't get his first career goal in his first career game. You know, hopefully we can shut you guys out. Uh, but, you know, Cole Caulfield, hopefully he becomes goal Caulfield. That's with a G, you know, one day. It's, you know, it's a nickname that I like. And if, you know, he can become a sniper for the Habs, I think it's just great for the league. Hurricanes could look to trade one of their three goalies. Uh, you know, Peter Morazic's really been out with injury after, uh, you know, his great start to the season. Alex Nedeljkovic stepped up. He was actually on waivers at one point this season. Yeah. So, uh, you know, crazy to look back and think 30 other teams passed up on him. Uh, you know, and then James Reimer, who's played phenomenal. Uh, I see this as a good move for Carolina. Not only does it shed salary, uh, but it kind of makes their – decision a little bit easier when talking about the expansion draft yeah no for sure I, I don't know much how much value Mrazic has just because of his injuries however you know they've been absolutely rolling without you know Mrazic you know Reimer and Nijelkovic have you know formed a solid 1a 1b sort of tandem uh you know if they're going to move one of those three I think the most likely I'd say is probably Reimer just because you know he's the oldest uh, and, you know, Mrazic and Nijelkovic probably have proved more, you know, to be, you know, the starter for this current team. Uh, but, you know, you could go any way and, and I wouldn't be surprised. Max Pacioretty's 16th career overtime goal moved him into a tie for fifth all time. And he's tied with Brad Marchand. So, you know, just some players that are so clutch that have that clutch gene that others don't. Yeah, exactly. You know, Max, Max Pacioretty, he seems, you know, he stepped into Vegas and had a little bit of an off year, his first year, just, you know, adjusting. But as soon as they brought in Mark Stone, you know, the two of them just had great chemistry and, you know, it, it, they're always fun to watch in Vegas and, you know, for him to move up that list, tying himself with Brad Marchant, it's good for him. I always find it funny looking at 
the game day roster for Vegas and seeing Chandler Stevenson as the first line center. Cause all yeah. Stevenson has to do is give it to stone who gives it to Pacioretty or vice mm-hmm. versa. Like yeah. I find that hilarious because actually Stevenson was on that Washington Capitals 2018 uh, Stanley Cup winning team. Exactly. You know, and then he went to Vegas and he's been able to make himself a somewhat of a first line center. You could say, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I would have figured at some point, you know, maybe they would have given Cody glass that opportunity just because, you know, exciting. And if, if that had a click, you know, glass Pacioretty and stone could have been a great top line, but you know, they seem to be comfortable with Stevenson and obviously, you know, they're winning games. So, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, speaking of underrated first line wingers, Carter Verhage scored a hat trick on Saturday And, you know, this is a guy who didn't really get his opportunity in Tampa Bay, and he's really getting his opportunity now in Florida. Uh, And with the injury to Barkov, it's really, you know, surprising to see him perform so well because I know him and Barkov have had great chemistry over this uh, shortened season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he came over from Tampa and his numbers were great at the start of the season. And, you know, maybe people could have thought that was inflation, you know, as a result of playing with Barkov, but, you know, able to score a hat trick with him outside of the lineup, you know, clearly he's kind of, you know, you know, shutting up the doubters and, you know, proving himself, you know, that he is, you know, this top six forward that, you know, his numbers, his number, his numbers back up. Logan Stanley is a absolute tower. I mean, that guy's like six, six, like I I can imagine playing against him. Well, you know, he scored his first NHL goal Saturday night against the Calgary flames. And it's great to see him get on the board. Finally. Uh, I I'm looking, I'm really excited to see what he can bring to the jets lineup. I love, you know, the grit that he plays with the toughness, just how tall he is. I'm all for it. Yeah. First round pick, I think in 2016, I want to say maybe 2017, one of those years, uh, you know, drafted in that first round, mainly because of his size, just, you know, an incredible, you know, stature, like you said, six, six, that could, that could even be, you know, short uh, for what he actually is. He's a giant, you know, for him to get, get uh, scoring is is nice as well. You know, he's played for the Jets most of the season and it's nice to see him, you know, break in there. He's, he was drafted 18th overall in 2016. And to your point there about drafting players that are big, I guess, you know, I think Cole Caulfield was, uh, and, you know, we could also bring up Alex Dabrinkit. Alex yeah. Dabrinkit was drafted 39th overall. Uh, and that's crazy to see because, you know, he had two goal performance on Sunday night, really uh, pushed the Blackhawks back in their comeback against Nashville, which ended up falling short. But, uh, you know, Dabrinkit has amazing skill for what, you know, for the size he brings. And we looked to Cole Caulfield and Caulfield, you know, dropped off the charts because of his size. And I think it's, uh, you know, I think we're getting to the stage where it's a bit ridiculous to predict someone's NHL capabilities simply because of their size. No, absolutely. I, I think at this point in time, it is ridiculous for, you know, size being such an implication because yes, you know, it, it, there is a physical part of the game, but if you're good enough, you know, like Alex Debrinkit, you know, he's a, he's a smaller guy. You can still make your impact, you know, Josh Anderson, you know, Burlington boy, and he plays for the Habs. He, you know, kind of slid in his OHL draft because of his size. And, you know, now he's grown into, you know, he's, he's one of the bigger players out there on the ice and, you know, uh, he, he just kept working hard. And once the once the hype came with them, you know, he was able to put all the tools together. More sad news for the Sabres is that Jack Campbell, one single player, has more win or has as many wins as the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, if things can't get if things can't go from bad to worse for the Sabres. Yeah, you know, their rival Toronto, they're not playing them this year. Uh, Jack Campbell, you know, he's just been great when he's in the net. 
on Sunday, we learned that, uh, you know, Tom Wilson returned to the lineup for the Capitals. And actually, they didn't even need Tom Wilson because they yeah. went undefeated without him. 7-0-0, seven regulation wins. That's huge when it's just divisional play. And he actually had two Genos in, in uh, his return. So not only is he making his presence physically return uh, returning to the lineup, but also on the score sheet. No, I think he's a great impact player, but they were able to go 7-0 without him. It's incredible. I think Washington, you know, at least for us, we've just been so used to them being at the top of the standings. So them doing anything, you know, good is just kind of, you know, same old. But, you know, give credit where credit's due. You know, the Capitals have been finding ways to win games this year. And, you know, now Ovechkin, he's been on a little bit of a tear lately. Uh, you know, they, they could be a team to, you know, maybe run it back, you know, from 2018. And, you know, we have some really unfortunate news with Aaron Ekblad, and he actually got stretchered off the ice after falling awkwardly with Essa Lindell. And, you know, my thoughts and prayers with Ekblad, that, that is a serious injury. Uh, it could be, I, you know, I dare I say it could be career-threatening. Uh, it's definitely uh, an end of the season for Ekblad. Uh, we don't know the exact uh, time now. I, I still check my phone, but... Uh, you know, as a 555, we know nothing yet on yeah. the recovery time. But, man, he was having a Norse trophy season, a real breakout season, uh, becoming the true number one pick that Florida had drafted him. Uh, and it just sucks, man. It sucks to see. No, yeah. Like, any player getting hurt sucks. But, you know, even more on top of that is the fact that, you know, he, he came in as the number one pick, you know, projected to be this, you know, stud guy. And it took him a little bit of time. But this season, he seemed to, you know, figure things out, got a little bit more power play time, uh, you know, just playing, you know, those workhorse minutes. And he was having a great year for a great team. So it's a big blow for the Panthers and, you know, just unfortunate. And, you know, Mackenzie Weger, who's been paired with Ekblad for the majority of the season, uh, we're really about to see what this guy's made of. Because you could argue that Ekblad has really been carrying his point total. So if you are trying to see what a player is made of, well, time to study Mackenzie Weger's play. Yeah, you know, Mackenzie Weger, you know, for advanced analytics people, you know, he's been good for a couple seasons, you know, and now the points are coming. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can, you know, potentially even step up to sort of replace Ekblad's production in his absence. The Blues have lost seven straight games at home. They're 0-5-2. Uh, like you mentioned, the Blues are struggling right now. Uh, it's not good. Uh, you know, Bennington uh, losing to the Ducks. You know, you got to you have to win those games against the bottom yeah. tier teams. Yeah, no, and I think they were up 2 nothing as well. Uh, maybe not 2 nothing, but they definitely had a lead at some point in the game. You know, just unfortunate to lose to Anaheim in that situation. And I must ask, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood's absolute toe save to steal the game, but do you think that puck crossed the line? Uh, you know, it was close, but I, I personally don't think it fully crossed the line. I think Mackenzie Blackwood, you know, did get there in time, you know, just an incredible athletic save, you know, for a great young goalie who, you know, we're going to be, you know, getting more familiar with each and every year. I think he's incredible and going to be, you know, one of the top goalies in the league in, the league in a couple of years. I agree with you there. I think a majority of the puck crossed the line, but I think there was a smidge of it uh, that was still on the red line there. And, and yeah. you know, I think Mackenzie Blackwood, if, the pieces around him can be added. I think he can contend for the Olympic roster. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, he, he's proven himself to be a good goalie uh, in this league so far at such a young age. You know, he came in, I think he had a shutout streak to start his career, actually. So, you know, great start to his career. And, you know, he's been able to be somewhat consistent through, you know, a couple seasons. So let's talk about 
the Nashville Predators. They just leapfrogged uh, the Chicago Blackhawks last night, winning that game 3-2. Uh, you know, they're on a five-game winning streak, 7-3-0 uh, in their last 10. And, man, uh, it's going to be weird because a lot of teams were saying, like, you know, Predators are going to be selling Ekholm, Ellis, maybe even Arvidsson, uh, maybe even uh, Michael Granlund. Uh, you know, it's, it, these are some questions that's going to be answered in these next coming weeks. Exactly. You know, they're only one game above 500. So maybe in any other division, they wouldn't be, you know, looking to, you know, keep competing, but you know, right now, as of now, they have that fourth spot in their division and, you know, they've been rolling and, you know, emergence of guys like Tolvanen, you know, has been, you know, counting towards that. And I think, you know, Nashville is going to have a lot to consider over the next couple of weeks, you know, depending on how their team plays and getting their captain back, Roman Yossi, you know, definitely huge. And he's been good since returning to the lineup. Before we get to Pegs' predictions, uh, let's get to Zach Hogan's power rankings. Uh, so in first in the North Division, he has the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, second, he has the Edmonton Oilers. Third, he has the Winnipeg Jets. Fourth, he has the Ottawa Senators. Fifth, he has the NH- the Calgary Flames, and sixth, he has the Vancouver Canucks. And you know the team that's not ranked uh, since they didn't play throughout the week is the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, personally, I gotta say I kind of agree uh, this time with all of his rankings. Uh, I see that the Senators have leapfrogged the Flames and Canucks, and rightfully so. Uh, you know the Flames are still having problems trying to figure out uh, their system with Daryl Sutter. Yeah, you know, they came in, I think they won the first game under Daryl Sutter, but it's been kind of, you know, a struggle for them since. Uh, And, you know, Ottawa has been a couple of those losses for the Flames. So I think having them above them is definitely, uh, you know, uh, I I agree with it. You know, I was waiting for you to say Montreal, and I I appreciate the fact that they're not ranked rather than, you know, seventh place. I I thought that he was going to have them all the way at the bottom just because they didn't play, Uh, you know, the, the, those rankings might shake up a bit, you know, over this week, obviously Montreal is going to get back to action, but you know, no complaints from my end. Well, time for Pegs' predictions. And these are the predictions for uh, Tuesday, March 30th, March 30th games. Uh, So tomorrow nights, I first up, you know, I I got uh, the Oilers actually beating the Canadians. Uh, I don't like uh, teams coming out of the COVID, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you either play good or you play bad. There's no yeah. middle ground. So I think the Oilers are going to beat the Habs, uh, Devils and Bruins. I'm going to take the Devils. Uh, the Devils are actually, I think, 4-0-1 against the Bruins this season. So yes, definitely, uh, it's something to consider when predicting that game. Uh, you know, Capitals and Rangers, I'm going to go with the Capitals. Uh, you know, they went 7-0-0 undefeated against, uh, you know, or, sorry, unbeaten without Wilson, but now that you add Wilson in the lineup, and it's also tough because the Rangers are playing some of their hottest hockey right now, and you know yeah. it's the correct time to heat up. The mm-hmm. Blue Jackets and Lightning. I'm going to go with the Lightning. Um, you know the Blue Jackets really haven't figured out uh, who their star players are. They, you know, they're not playing the top players the right minutes. So I'm going to go with the Lightning. That seems kind of obvious. Red Wings and Panthers. I'm actually going to go with the Red Wings. Uh, you know, the Panthers are without Barkov and, uh, you know, Ekblad. Red Wings coming off the sweep of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Definitely going to have some confidence going into Tuesday night's game. Hurricanes and Blackhawks. I'm going to go with uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. Blackhawks have kind of been slumping right now. So that's kind of one of the main reasons. Stars and Predators. I'm going to go with the Preds. Five-game winning streak. They're going to go out and beat the Dallas Stars. 
All right. You know, I'll agree with you with the Oilers. I wanted you to take the Habs, so it kind of would have given us a little bit more rivalry. But I agree with your points on, you know, them coming out of COVID. You know, they could they could definitely just, you know, fall flat. Uh, you know, hopefully the Oilers get the win. I'll go with the Bruins over the Devils, you know, even though the record, you know, isn't great against them. You know, I'll give the Bruins this one. Uh, I'll go with the Rangers, actually, over the Capitals, um, uh, just because I think Igor Sisterkin starting that game. And, you know, they only lost by one. It was a 5-4 game on Sunday or Saturday with uh, Keith Kincaid in that. So I think Shesterkin makes that much of a difference. I'll go with the Lightning as well uh, over the Blue Jackets. Um, I'll go with the Panthers over the Red Wings. I just think, you know, the Red Wings are playing well right now. And the Panthers are missing some key pieces. But, you know, the Blue Jackets and Panthers just play two completely different styles of hockey. And I think, you know, the Red Wings, it's going to be, you know, different. They're not going to be able to, you know, squeeze out the win. I'll take the Hurricanes over the Blackhawks, you know, just a great team. Uh, and then, you know, I'll, I'll go with you as well with the Predators and keep the hot streak going against the Dallas Stars. Well, I'd like to thank again, Nolan Thode for joining me on another edition of Down to the Wire. It's always great, Pegs.